All right, welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, and I'll be joined today by Bram Hillsman, the host of the popular Warriors podcast, Warriors Huddle. And we are going to talk about the Warriors schedule release from today and what we expect from the schedule, some of the high points, some of the more challenging points for their schedule. And then, of course, we're going to talk more about this Kevin Durant, Draymond Green interview stuff. And then at the end of the show, we'll talk about our biggest mistakes in Las Vegas. I'm sure you're going to tune in for that. All that coming up next. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Five Golden Questions. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group here with Bram Hillsman, the host of the popular Warriors podcast, Warriors Huddle. And uh, Bram, we're doing this a little differently than we have done it in the past. First of all, we've taken a couple of weeks off of Five Golden Questions. The premise is we're going to answer the five most pressing questions uh, dealing with the Warriors. Like I said, we took a couple of weeks off because of schedule things. I was in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, you know, the draft for agency, it was, it was crazy. And, uh, now we're just doing this as a straight podcast. We used to do this on green room and take some, uh, listener questions, but you and I just decided let's hop on zoom, just you and I, and, and knock this thing out. And, uh, cause we have uh, some, uh, we have our own five really good questions that we want to ask. I can't wait for this. Although I'm both fired up and a little bit disappointed, man. So fired up every time you use the phrase popular with Warrior Settle, I kind of pump my fist. You know, I don't know whether or not it's true. God knows, but I really appreciate you saying it. But I'm also a little disappointed. Before we started this, Wes and I are talking. He's showing off that he has this new fancy soundboard. He plays me this dope like harp sound and says, all right, look, when I'm going to say five golden questions, I'm going to play the harp sound. Well, shit, we just said five golden questions. I got all ready for a harp sound. I heard nothing. I got nothing out of it. So I'm I'm a little disappointed, man. Like you said, I just got it and I forget that I have it. So uh, (laughs) here we go. This is five golden questions. Oh, wow. That's classy. See, now now, this feels like an entirely different show and that's just nicely handled. Now I'm nothing but fired up. I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. Um, All right. (laughs) So our first question, Bram, we're recording this on Friday. The Warriors uh, have released their schedule. And this is a thing that the NBA does. The NBA in general, all the schedules have been released. And this is a thing the NBA does to just kind of keep the conversation moving, right? They, they stay in the news cycle. The draft is over. Free agency is over. Summer League has just ended. And they're like, you know what? We can't go a week without having a new talking point. And so, yes, schedule relief, release, news drop on a Friday afternoon. Uh, you know that the jump, ESPN, all these things are going to be talking about the schedule release. It's a big deal. But um, do you think it's a big deal? That's my question to you. Do you even care about the schedule release? Or is this just sort of a industry thing that's just sort of made up to, to, to create conversation? I don't care. So I can manufacture interest in almost anything, right? right? I'm, an, I'm an entertainment junkie. This is why you talk to me I, so much. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. I am constantly, I think I've told you before on this show, I read in the shower, you know, like I, I need entertainment at all times. So if there's some possibility of entertainment, I'll suck it out of it. So when the schedule comes out, do I review it? Do I try to find little things that I care about? Yeah. 
But like, as compared to stuff that I really give a fuck about in, in hoop, you know, like a playoff game mm-hmm. or the draft or free agent signings or actual news. No, I mean, you know, this, it, it doesn't really mark on the things I actually care about list. Um, so as a beat writer, I care about it a little bit more now, not because it's an easy way to create content, because I really don't care about that. I actually, I, I dread writing about easy content. It's not a thing that I care about. But um, I do like to look at the schedule and figure out where I'm going to be for the next large portion of my life. And uh, I look at those major cities like, okay, when do I get to go to New York? When do I get to go to Toronto? When do I get to go, like, how many times am I going to go to LA and when? Uh, when it's super cold, how many times do I have to go to Chicago or Minnesota and do I have to go buy new layers because of that? Um, those are the types of things that I look at. Um, what are you hoping for? Like, are you, I mean, like if you're, yeah. if it's a Miami game, are you hoping for a certain month or a New York game? Are you hoping to avoid things? I mean, give me, give me something you hope to see yeah. and then something you're dreading to see when you're looking at this from a, a selfish angle. Well, because of where the basketball season just is and how many teams are in cold weather cities. I just know that I'm going to get cold weather cities when it's super cold. So um, that's just sort of, that comes with the territory. I like to see, I don't want to go to like, obviously they're going to play in New York. They're going to play in Miami. They're going to play in some of my favorite cities. Memphis is one of my favorite cities, Philadelphia. Um, I just want to see it kind of, I want to see it evenly. I don't want to have all the fun stuff in the first half of the season and then none of the fun stuff in the second half of the season. You know what I mean? Like, I want to have, like, a nice, even disbursement. Um, and I like to see, like, okay, where – what is – obviously, the Warriors are playing on Christmas. They're playing in Phoenix, which is actually pretty nice uh, as opposed to some – like, having to play in New York on Christmas would just be very, very cold. Um, even though I guess New York on Christmas would be, like, also really cool, unlike Phoenix, which just nothing really about that city is very cool. Um <laughs> But uh, I just like that it's going to be warm. Yeah, stuff like that. Where am I going to be on New Year's Eve? What about Thanksgiving? Are they playing in and around Thanksgiving? Is it at home? Is it on the road? It's just like those holidays that I need to like have that I need to know just for like family planning purposes. Um, But that's really it. And then, uh, yeah. And then the other thing from a selfish standpoint is, um, you know, just those we know that they're going to get like big block road trips. And how dope are those road trips going to be? So the first one that comes to mind, like they have two five-game road trips um, this season. The first one is in uh, mid-December at Philadelphia, at Indiana, at New York, at Boston, at Toronto. That is an awesome road trip. That is an awesome, awesome road trip. And some people are like, Indiana. Indiana has one of the best arenas in all of basketball. They they based part of Chase Center off of the Pacers arena. So that's great. Philly's awesome. Uh, Obviously, Manhattan. Boston I could do without, but it's it's easy to hit it. And then to, and then you you cap it off with Toronto. That's pretty great. I'm immediately jealous. I mean, to a point where I have nothing to <laughs> say to that. I will not be going to any of those goddamn trips. Um, <laughs> I will add what I look for as a fan outside of just the entertainment. I like looking at how many national TV games. Mm-hmm. It's a great indication of, all right, well, how does the league view the Warriors? What's what's the interest out there? And I also like looking at the first 10 opponents. Just from like a selfish, I like the Warriors to get off to a good start. Those first 10 games shouldn't matter any more than any other 10-game stretch throughout the 82-game season. But a 5-5 a five and five start feels so much different than like an eight and two star yeah. or a nine and one star. And incidentally, this year, I think they have a real, I mean, through those two measures, they have a ass ton of national TV games. And I think they have a shot at going like 
eight yeah. and two in those first 10. So, uh, you know, fairly solid read here and good place for a harp sound. Just saying. Where is it? Here it is. Okay. I'll be quicker with it. I'll be quick. quick, quick You're going to have to, yeah, trigger. you really got to, you got to, I mean, you know, it's your first time. I mean, we're all kind of working through this together. And, and hopefully I won't have to give you the verbal cue either. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right Nicely played. See, I knew you'd get better. Um, you hit on a couple big points there. They have 29 national TV games. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. And that's what happens when you have Steph Curry on your roster. But that's that's a lot. Um, the other thing is that beginning of the schedule. So earlier in the week, we the, the NBA announced, hey, Warriors opening up the season opening night in Los Angeles against the Lakers. And then their home opener is two nights later against the Clippers. And again, the Clippers will be without Kawhi. But that's still a tough team, as we saw them in the playoffs with Paul George. It's not out of the realm of possibility that, hey, you go 0-2 to start the season. And I said on my podcast, like, hey, this is the territory. You want all the, the showcase games and you want all the national TV games? Well, you don't get to just put Warriors versus Houston, right? Houston that now sucks. Like, you don't, yep. like, you, you get, you're going to have to play another contender on the other side. And that's what happens. If you want these big showcases, it's going to come against tough teams and they're going to come at the beginning of the season when they're trying to, to drum up interest. So, but after that, they play at Sacramento, at Oklahoma City, and then they get an eight-game homestand, which is like their longest homestand in a super long time. I have the number somewhere, but it's a super long time. That's all that's important. Memphis, OKC again, Charlotte, New Orleans, Houston, Atlanta, Minnesota, Chicago. Sacramento, I think, is going to be better, but not great i think that's a winnable game especially coming off of two like lake it's like when batters put the donut on the bat uh, on the bat and then they go up to to plate without the donut and now all of a sudden they can weighted swing bat. the bat easier yeah the way to bat yeah that's that's sacramento right there after lakers clippers oklahoma city's garbage memphis that's winnable oklahoma city again thank you very much charlotte you know lamella ball is exciting but that's a very winnable game especially at home they're having to fly across the country new orleans winnable game houston you should win that atlanta's tough uh, but winnable at home. Minnesota is winnable. Chicago, I, they've kind of re-geared their entire roster. Tough to know exactly what to make of it, but that's a winnable game at home. And, uh, and, and so you're right. Like Through those first 10 or so games, dozen games, I think the Warriors could come out looking pretty good from, from the outset, even without Clay. And that will be, I think, more important. So before, when I was talking about those first 10 games, I meant it, but I'm speaking more generally, right? Any year, pick a year five years ago, pick a year 10 years from now, those first 10 games will have that same level of importance. This year, I think it's even more important, Wes. So they're looking for a new identity, right? We're coming off to Shitburger playoff of this year. We had excuses for it. But this year, they want a contender's identity. So how they play those first 10 games, it will affect how they view themselves. But maybe more importantly, Clay Thompson, right? Clay needs to work his way back in. I bet you he is not going to be playing more than like 10, 15 minutes for the first few games. So how they negotiate that, that period of time without Clay is going to be important for seeding. And if we can fit in a bunch of winnable games during then, you know, if we can backload mm -hmm. the, the difficult opponents after Clay has got his, you know, hopefully healthy legs underneath him, it's a, it's a whole different thing. So I wonder, I have no idea what goes into the scheduling, um, but if I somehow infiltrated the NBA offices and was able to put together a schedule for the Warriors as a Warriors fan, this is the type of beginning yeah. that I would want. You know, yeah. I'd want high-profile games and then winnable games. 
Um, you touched on the Clay Thompson thing there. There is a major date that I have circled on this calendar that doesn't jump out at first, but after kind of parsing through and thinking about the schedule, I think it's going to be an important one for the Warriors. And then I want to talk about the end of the schedule. We just talked about the beginning of the schedule. Uh, but first, I want to talk about Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. Get all of the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest. Uh, There's a lot of buzzwords in there. And the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your your 100%. used to be a 51%. 100% welcome bonus. They've doubled it. I think that's how percentages work. Uh, when you use the promo code locked on, be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up when using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use that promo code NFL100 and use that promo code Locked On. Check you out. I wish I had a button that gave you a standing ovation. Just right live. Oh, there it is. Even pull off the sound. Nicely played. I'm ready to place a bet right now. Okay, so I teased um the date that i've got circled here and you talked about clay thompson a little bit and that's the other thing that we have to look at is we know that clay they're they're looking at early next year 2022 in case of those of you didn't know what year next year was um for clay to come back Wait, right on. let me check your math on that let me check okay no you're right yep it is 21 22 all right that's it yep. yep uh the warriors start 20 they're saying early 2022 okay the warriors start the, the next year 2022 for those keeping track at utah so on the road, then they play Miami at home and then they go on the road again at Dallas at New Orleans for two games back home for Cleveland, back on the road in Memphis, uh, in Milwaukee, Chicago, in Minnesota. So a four game road trip there. That's tough for Clay to come back in that first half of January. You're just like, okay, we're at home. We're on the road. What do you do? How much do you really want uh, Clay traveling? Do you want him on these long road trips? Like, I don't know with these low bo- body issues. So I'm looking at January 18th against Detroit at Chase Center, as potentially, and this is just me guessing, but potentially, Clay Thompson's return to the Warriors. Maybe he gets some run early on in those home games. Again, don't know what their uh, degree of uh, trust in him being able to travel is going to be at that point, but uh, especially with those like weird, you know, middle of the country trips. But January 18th at Detroit, that or in uh, uh, versus Detroit at Chase Center, that could be when Clay Thompson comes back because you look at. That date as kicking off a seven-game homestand. Detroit, Indiana, Houston, Utah, Dallas, Minnesota, and Brooklyn. That seems you to think be the be right time first for game back? back. Like that literally we will not see Clay Thompson until game 45. I'm wondering if that's true because if we're hearing that he won't come back until early 2022, then I don't really see the best time for him to come back. Like, do you want him to come back against Miami on January 3rd in your first home game? If this is the case, and, so your read, I will trust and I will follow you on. But I'll tell you what, as a fan, if, if this is even a possibility, 
the Warriors need to come out and they need to adjust fans' expectations. They need to jump on this fucking grenade is what they need to do. Because if, if the best case scenario is Clay Thompson playing less than 40 games, because if he comes back in game 45, by definition, it'll be less than 45, or be less than 40 games. And they're not going to play him constantly, right? I mean, he's going to be sitting out games even in those, those the, the remaining games that he would have. And that's really going to impact the success this team can, can you know, ultimately put down out on the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that has not been my expectation coming in here. So I'd like, if that's what's going to happen, they need to come out and start throwing out some pseudo dates. You know, here's what we're looking at. Here's, here's well, I think the problem is that they don't really know yet right like clay's gonna be around the team he's already working out with the team and stuff like that we know this i think like i I think they've done their best to tamp down expectations saying we don't know when he's gonna come back it's probably gonna be early next year and that technically is still early next year i mean the difference between like the first couple days of january and january 18th i mean we're talking about a couple of weeks i mean it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of somebody's health who's missed two straight years of basketball um, I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but then again, I'm just me, I'm just guessing. Like, yeah. do you want him going on the road? There's no reason for him not to be able. If 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 they're waiting until he's like absolutely ready, then he should be able to go on the road. So maybe he does come back against Miami on January 3rd at Chase Center, and then he's like, you know what? Let me hop in the plane. I'm going to Dallas with you. I'm going to New Orleans with you. I'm back. Like that's yeah. very possible. I just I have no idea. So I'm looking at like again, I'm looking at January 3rd at home against Miami. And then potentially January 18th at home against Detroit as a way to just be like, all right, don't worry about travel. Let's just knock out seven straight home games and really get uh, help Clay get his feet under him, I guess. No, it makes sense yeah. to me. If, if the ultimate goal is Clay Thompson back forever, not mm-hmm. Clay Thompson back for 2022, then, then you know, his first deployment might not want to be on a four game road trip. That makes sense, you know, but it will, it's, it's, the West is going to be so tight this year yeah. that those four games, as silly as it is to say, could make a difference, could make a giant seeding difference. So it'll be exciting to see. And it's important to, you know, for, for other Warrior fans who are listening to this, remember what Wes is saying, you know, because if we don't see Clay until January and that's what the team is reporting, then it's going to be a little while before we are back to that contending status all of us are looking forward to. And you mentioned every game mattering too. Uh, and really one, one last quick note here, 14 back-to-backs uh, for the Warriors this season. That's the most since 2017-18. So this is a tough, this is a tough schedule. January also happens to be the month where they have the most games. I think it's 17 games in January. Uh, so that's they're going to need clay. They're going to need the bodies, right, um, coming back that month. The last game of the year, too, is always interesting to me because we saw last season, remember the NBA split the unveiling of the schedule into two parts, right? They had the first half, and then they had the second half after the All-Star break. And they jiggered the end of the, the season, that second half of the season, for like the highest amount of drama possible, right? Like we remember those last few games all had like that playoff type of feel because of the opponents that the NBA knew. Like you just looked at the standings through the first half of the season. They're like, all right, Memphis and, and Golden State, like they, they're like right there with each other and they had to play each other in the last game of the season. Um, and that, that created high drama. I think that that's something that the NBA wants to keep going. And I actually was wondering if they were just going to make that a thing going forward. But I just think that too many of the teams... Um, and like basketball ops people were just like, don't do that. That was a nightmare. Please just give us the schedule all in one shot. And so they did. Um, but the NBA has the Warriors playing at New Orleans in the final game of the season on April 10th. Um, I, 
I do wonder if the NBA is looking at New Orleans with Zion Williamson and a new coach in Willie Green uh, and the Warriors as maybe equals and saying, hey, or like maybe these two teams could be vying for a similar playoff position at that point. Or am I just reading too much into this? No, I mean, so the other thing that's worth noting on it, there's the, the previous game it's, is San Antonio. Both of those games, mm. unlike every game before them. So there's 82 games in front of us. Only two of them don't have a game time schedule. DVD. It's the last two. It's San Antonio yep. and New Orleans. Yep. What that screams is maybe these are going to be really important. You know, maybe this needs to be national TV. Maybe we need to put this in front of somebody. We got to wait to find out where it is. So, no, your read isn't wrong. I mean, the, the league has identified these games as possibly meaning something, and they're reserving the right to put it out there. Do I agree with them? No, I don't. Um, I think New Orleans has had a terrible offseason. I think San Antonio has had an equally bad offseason, um, or at least not one that puts either of those teams in the contending status I think the Warriors will be. This might be over-optimism by me, but no, I think your read is right, and I think the league's read is wrong. Yeah. I think I, I, it is an interesting point, though, that those games are TBD, right? Un, like, not timed right now. I do wonder, though, like if Clay's not going to play for half the year, New Orleans is going to be pretty good, right? Like we don't think New Orleans is going to be bad. Like we think they're going to take a leap as Zion takes a leap, and we think that Willie Green is going to be a better coach than even Stan Van Gundy. Granted that Willie Green has no head coaching experience, but we think that that's an improvement. I don't know. I don't know what to think. The, the, the loss of Lonzo Ball, I mean, like there, you can't say enough about who Zion um, and if you have that kind of a contender, then yeah, we, we can't immediately guess. Yeah. And I don't know how Jonas is going to fit in there, but the moves they made, none of, let me, let me hedge this. There's a couple of teams in the West. I have no idea what to do with New Orleans is one of them. Yeah. Dallas is another, you know, there, and there's a reason why all of this is, is super tight. But if we were talking about last year's New Orleans squad, I would be a little bit more worried. Them losing ball essentially for nothing, replacing them with Devontae Graham. I, I am no longer afraid of that team. Same thing for San Antonio. I, I think if you got Pop hammered or gave him true serum, they would tell you they don't necessarily want to contend this San Antonio thing is weird to me. I'm not. They lost to Rosen. They lost Rudy Gay. They're young. Like, I like a lot of their young pieces, but they're young. Like, they're not ready right now. And I don't think anybody thinks right. they are. The San Antonio thing to me is weird, but maybe the NBA knows something we don't. Maybe they're like Vegas and they could just see into the, the only future. reason like New Orleans would somehow jump into a place where I'd be worried about them is if they find, I mean, they, they should be terrified about losing Zion. And so yeah. if they make some panicky move come the trade deadline of like, they just bring some, they give up all future assets in a desperate move to show Zion. No, 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 please stay. You know, the Navy, but as currently constructed, nah, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I, I'm I, also really proud that we've put in like 30 minutes <laughs> on the schedule. I thought I didn't care. And it turns out I really we did. do. Man. We started off the segment saying we don't care about the schedule. It's just stupid made up things that the NBA does just to get us talking about them. And guess what? It worked. And that's why they're a billion dollar yeah, corporation. That's exactly right. I was going to say why we're a great podcast, but that's fine. Okay. Yeah. NBA. All right. We'll move on with our five golden questions. We're going to talk about this Kevin Durant, Draymond Green stuff because there's still a lot to get into here, even though we talked about it for a week now, almost, or a couple days. It feels like a week. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever increasing number of makes and models. It's impossible for you or your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money 
when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from chain stores or car dealerships? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years, and Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everybody. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out, and you're probably not listening to this podcast enough. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, German Chocolate, Bram, do you know what my favorite flavor is? Not Cherry Barcia? I actually really like the cherry barcia. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I could imagine it was cherry, but I wasn't sure what the barcia part was. And I'm still not. I just know it's cherry covered in chocolate. <laughs> that sounds delicious. And for those like, well, I know I understand the cherry Garcia reference, but I just like this is a, a Bay Area based show. Grateful Dead has ties to San Francisco and like Height Ashbury. And I understand that. But these things are like made in like Denver. So I don't I still don't understand the 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 why the Jerry Garcia thing is a thing. Don't get fired, Wes. Don't get fired. No, no. I do not know your favorite player. <laughs> well, you don't listen to the podcast. Obviously, it's raspberry or orange. But I like the strawberry. All the fruit ones. I like all the fruit ones. Uh, Built Bar is also the official protein bar of U.S. track and field. That's pretty cool. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code. That's the whole part of that. That's the whole line in the read, by the way. It's just like, just say this. Like, there's no more information. Like, it's just like, it's just, that's cool. Uh, go to built.com, use that promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off on your order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The what's your favorite flavor doesn't count as one of the golden questions, right? <laughs> we, we only have one question left, and the next one is, uh, <laughs> what was that promo code again? Um, all right. I, uh, the Kevin I didn't Durant. know I was going to be quizzed during this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Kevin Durant stuff. Uh, you texted me this question because I presume you wanted to talk about it, so I'm going to just throw it back at you. Does the KD Draymond interview change the way that you view either the front office or the players? So we talked about this. Everyone's talked about this um, a lot already. I talked about it on the podcast. One of the reasons I wanted to read, bring it up with you is that there was something I didn't discuss on the huddle that has been gnawing at me, that's been bothering me a little bit. So I'm going to back it up, okay? So I'm going to answer the question, does it change my perception of Draymond? Um, and let's also offer a hedge. I love Draymond Green. I love what he has done. I love what he's going to do. Um, I, I believe in his role on this team. I'm not one of these guys who says I think he should be traded. And by me hedging it this way, you know I'm getting ready to shithouse him, right? Here's one of the things I haven't heard anybody throw his way. Um, we immediately jump to the criticism that he's offered to the front office, and rightfully so. I understand why you know that's the, that's the fire we're focusing on. But nobody's talking about the initial problem. So here, let me give you an analogy, right? Let's say I'm a kid, Wes, and I start to play with matches at my parents' house. I start a fire. The, the fire gets out of control. I go and tell my parents about the fire, and my parents completely screw it up. They don't know how to deal with it. So instead of putting it out on their own, instead of calling the fire department, they ignore it. The fire goes off, and the entire house burns down. No question that my parents screwed up, right? Somebody comes to me and asks me, what happened? How did your house burn down? If all I say is, oh, my parents ignored a fire, that's totally disingenuous. If I don't bring up at least that I started the fire, 
then I am ignoring a huge component of the story. And that's what Draymond did. You know, we immediately jump over the fact that he was the one who started this fire. And when we start focusing on Golden State's ability to put it out. Now, is he wrong that they that they handled it poorly? I don't know. I got to defer to him. You know, they, they, he was the person there. But for this story to begin with the fire blazing is not fair. That's not a fair thing. We should be first at least acknowledging they should have talked about in that podcast that there was some fault from them. They started this shit. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? It does. And it also makes sense why it hasn't been talked about enough is because we've talked about it now for like three, four years. And this is sort of a new person who we can point at and blame and say, hi, no, it's your fault, Bob Myers. It's your fault, Steve Kerr. Because we were pointing at Draymond for the last four years about this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just. I guess I'm defending like the talking heads no, now. We've already talked about the matching. We've already talked about the matches. Is what you're saying? Right. This is that that first part of the story was the was the narrative when it first came out. Now we're getting the other foot, so to speak. And, and the other part of this too was that <laughs> we're acting like, and every headline after this was the way Bob Myers slash Steve Kerr comma Steve Kerr handled this feud pushed Kevin Durant out the door, and that's completely inaccurate. Kevin Durant has all but admitted, and Draymond even said it in this interview, I thought you were out the door before the season even started. And Steve Kerr has said, alluded to that as well. He's never come out right and said it, but he's always said, hey, I think after that second year, you know, I kind of, the, the writing was a little bit on the wall there. And, you know, and Everyone has said it. Everybody I mean, has said I mean, it. So to I act mean, like this one that. argument... Pushed and the way that the front office handled the argument pushed Kevin Durant out the door. No, I don't think. I think we. I think Kevin Durant deserves more respect than that to say like, "Oh, you got into one fight with a teammate and now you're making a major life decision." Like it. Well, it, it just it to never be made fair, sense though. Fucking Durant said that during yeah. this pot. I mean, I mean, he said what he's saying the opposite of what you're communicating. Because Durant, Draymond busts him out and says exactly what everyone's told us a hundred times. You look, you were gone. The only reason you stayed is because you had a shot at a three-peat. Yeah. It's something special. You wanted an opportunity. But but Durant, whether or not he was being honest, I'm mean, question for him, right? But his response on that podcast was, oh, no, 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 I wasn't out. Exact opposite. I was locked in was the phrase he used. He said, you know, I, I was so excited about the opportunity to get a three-peat that I showed up every moment, took every opportunity to be you know, taking this thing so seriously that I was no longer happy-go-lucky and you guys misinterpreted that. Right. And then, go, and then you know, basically underlines this fight. So he is furthering, I think, this BS notion. Um, but to answer your question, right? So again, love Draymond does not change my opinion of him as a player. Does it change my perception of him as a teammate? Wes, it does. It absolutely does. Uh, Draymond is known for speaking his mind. Draymond is known for developing his own opinion and Draymond is known for controversy. None of that is known. But the, the, the bullet point that stuck out to me was that he decided to build a brand, not a team during this offseason, at least during that interview. That is not something I ever would have attributed to him. That, that it's a surprise. I was, I was surprised by that. So, you know, that's how this thing has shifted for me. It does, it, it changes at least a little bit the way I view Draymond's relationship with this team. Um, for somebody in Draymond Green, for somebody who consistently calls out media for clickbait and for things like that, 
this was clickbait. The entire promo, the lead-up, the hype going into this unveiling, this debut of his show for Bleacher Report, was that clip of him being like, I have to know, did our argument against the Clippers push you out of Golden State? And they played that thing on loop every time you got, anytime you logged on to Bleacher Report, every time I was on Twitter, every time I was on Instagram, like I was just having like the ads that were just like that automatically sent to me by algorithm gods or whatever, however it works. Like I just, I saw that clip a hundred times in the lead up to the show. They wanted you to tune in for that bit. This is the definition of clickbait, right? Not to say that it's not true. I guess there's another, there's a a whole other layer of a version of clickbait, which is just, you know, fake news stuff. But this was clickbait. And this was, to your point, Draymond Green trying to start a brand on the heels of his, you know, inarguable success as part of inside the NBA on TNT. He was very, very good. On his heels of that, he is saying, you know what? I am a future media member and I am billing myself as such. And hey, here's this uh, huge interview with Kevin Durant, and I'm going to ask him this tough question, to which they've obviously talked about in the past. Like, this is ridiculous. But um, I, I I agree with you. It, it I, I think that this is nothing, and I said this to Brady Klopfer earlier in the week when he was on the show. I don't think this was news to Bob Myers or Steve Kerr, what Draymond Green was saying. I don't think they watched this and they're like, oh, wait, Draymond wasn't a fan of how he handled it? Like, Draymond told them that he wasn't a fan of how they're handling it when they were handling it. So, it, it, again, this is not surprising, but I think what would be surprising is, okay, now you're going on Bleacher Report and you're doing this huge thing and you're kind of calling us out on a national stage. We don't love that. But, I, I, again, I just don't know if it's going to shock anybody what he's saying. I think it's just how he said it, and maybe that's even more important. Well, we don't love that. I mean, Wes, what's the perception of the, the Warriors front office and then the coaching staff, Steve Kerr specifically? If we had to pick out one thing that we give them universal praise for, it's their ability to communicate with players. It's creating kumbaya in a locker room filled with different fucking personalities. What's the thing that Draymond just told us? The reason the dynasty fell apart is because this front office and this coaching staff couldn't handle personalities. I mean, like it's, it's literally, it's like if somebody came out and said secretly, Michael Phelps can't swim, you know? And like, even if they knew that behind the scenes, to make that a public thing is an entirely different deal. You know, if this, this impacts a single free agent's view of whether or not they want to come here, then this was not good for the team. Now, is Draymond entitled to build a brand? Hell yes, he is. Of course he is. And, this was, and he's going to be excellent in media, and he's already shown us that. But I never, I mean, I, and this is just repetitious, but I am positive that if he had reached out to any member of this team beforehand, if it's Steph, if it's Meyer, anybody, and said, here's what I'm thinking about doing, you know, would you like me to do it right now, two months before the season? I am confident that not one of them would have said, yes, please do that. You know, and and the fact that that there is a hesitancy there is what I'm surprised about. I always thought that Draymond put the team first. I would have definitely thought that would be true in in a a transitional year when they are really hoping to get themselves back up to the top of the West. Um, and no, there's other things on his plate. I'm not saying he doesn't care about the team, but it's that's not his lone focus anymore. Well, you would that's think that change. the Warriors and Steph and everybody would be like, aren't we past this, man? Like, this was right. 2018 that this happened. November 2018. Can't we just be past this? Uh, we're trying to rebuild. We're trying to get back to the playoffs since Kevin Durant left. Can't we just move past this? And now you're now you're just bringing up old shit. 
basically. This is literally the new page, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, this is it. This, we had to wait two years for them to turn the page because of injuries. And when we, we are finally there, Clay's coming back. We have these new rookies we're excited for. We're finally there. And then Draymond goes public and says, no, 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 turn it back. Turn it back a couple of years. You know, we got to let's, let's, let's look at this old page yeah. a couple of times. Um, I'm not happy about it. We will forget about this, you know, and in a month, no one will be talking about it anymore, which is why it's important to underline the question we're asking. It's not, you know, do we dislike Draymond Green? Right. It's not, you know, like, what should they trade Draymond Green? It's just, does it change the way we view Draymond Green? Yeah, the answer is yes. So I mentioned the podcast I did earlier in the week, the day that this interview came out. And uh, I was talking with Brady in that podcast. And basically the whole premise was sort of the first layer of this. Is any of this news? And is any of this important? And my answer to all of that was no, it's not news. No, it's not very important. Um, and now... Uh, I think this is the other layer of, okay, was Draymond kind of, was it messed up for him to do this? Like, that's kind of the other part of this. And um, I was actually shocked. I shouldn't say shocked, because I'm never shocked by Warriors fans anymore. But there were, I, I, was, I was mildly surprised that a lot of people in my emails after that episode came out were like, you just let Draymond off the hook. No, no, I wasn't letting Draymond off the hook. I just, that wasn't the topic of the show at the time. But um, it was surprising to me at least how many Warriors fans just hated that Draymond did this and just vehemently took the side against him. So that leads us to our, another, our next question, Bram. Do the Warriors have to do anything about this situation? Do they have to discipline Draymond Green in any sort of way after this interview? I don't think they can. No. I mean, they and can't. if they do, we can never find out about it. If, if there is something that immediately happened, what the Warriors are screaming is, yep, that's exactly what happened. Draymond is right, and we're panicking. Um, if, if they, what I would much prefer is kind of a chuckle and a nothing. You know, ah, Draymond being, I mean, even like I just explained why this is not Draymond being Draymond, why it would concern me if I was Bob Myers, and why I would be all pissy behind the scenes. But it's behind the scenes that is key there. I, I don't think they should do anything public because it would really underline, you know, the, the whole, if there's smoke is the, you know, if, if we see smoke, is there fire? What you're saying is, should they send a, uh, you know, fire truck there? Well, then we know there's fire, right? So like, no, handle this without the rest of us being able to see the fire truck is right. there. Keep this in-house. Don't make it public. I think they need to do something in-house and I don't think that they can just pretend like it never happened because, they didn't like that. Basically, they said Steve Kerr just danced around it, pretended like it never happened, and they didn't like that. They wanted to deal with it. I, I think what could happen now behind closed doors, like you're saying, is that Steve Kerr ap approaches Draymond Green like, hey, man, we just spent like a month together in Tokyo. You get back to Vegas and you do this interview with Kevin Riley. Are we good or do you have a problem with me? Like, what's going yep. on? And I think Steve Kerr knows that the answer is we're fine. That I have no problem, and this was just me trying to get my video out there and start my media, you know, empire. Yep. But I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Steve Kerr was like, "Hey, man, I didn't appreciate that." And I think Draymond well, and, Green would respect that. I'd be like, "Yeah, I actually, you know what? I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You're not going to tell me not to to speak out." But you know, I think we've seen time and time again, Draymond at least appreciates when people come at him a little bit and with a different. It's what point they of view. requested. 
It's literally what they requested, right? Yeah. I mean, so well, they yeah. say, here's what here's what happened. Durant says, well, I watched the last dance. They should have done what they did with Scotty. You know, go into the locker room, hash it out. It won't be a locker room, but hash it out. You know, I mean, maybe we don't need Jordan Poole in there. Uh, I imagine Kuminga doesn't have anything to say, but I'm sure that Andre does now that he just came back. I'm sure yeah. that Steph has some takes, yeah. you know, like I'd get the forefathers in that room and, and hash it out. If anybody's bothered, let's, you know, have them talk it out so that it's gone now. We never find out about it. And by the time the balls are, you know, the, on the floor and it matters, everyone is back to that kumbaya state, hopefully. Last two questions. They all have to do with Las Vegas. Um, You brought up the idea of Las Vegas. I imagine this is because of Summer League just occurring in Las Vegas, and maybe you had Vegas fresh on your mind, maybe a little bit of FOMO because you didn't get to go to Vegas, and I did. Um, That's nice of you, Dad. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Also, I did. And, I I mean, I'm a little bit pissy, uh, which is what it is. But if you have an FU sound on that board, I'd like to play it now. I don't don't know what you got. I I don't. I have this. I don't know what is like a chipmunk sound. The crickets. I have no idea what that Those was. Are it's definitely okay. That does not give do my FU. That's on. Yeah, that doesn't work. No, none of those are working. Yeah, that's fine. Anyways, yes, I did have FOMO as a short version. Okay. Um, biggest mistake you made uh, in Vegas actually, no, that you could talk about wasn't wasn't FOMO. I didn't fear. I did miss out. So <laughs> whatever right. the acronym is for that, dude. Like, is that this Domo? Isn't, this isn't something that's happening in the future. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Domo doesn't work either. Did miss out. No, do no, missing out. I was. I was going to do that too and realized it was wrong. I'm so happy that she did not realize it was wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> biggest mistake you made in Las Vegas. And then you added this part that you could talk about live on air. You go first. Okay. Um, so you're going to hate this story immediately and you're going to give me shit about it. So that's why you're going first. That's right. Um, all right. Not this summer league, not last summer or not last year. Cause it didn't happen, but the summer league 2019, my first uh, Las Vegas Summer League. Yeah, it was. And um, I was with a few other writers late at night. It was after, after the games. Uh, we were at Caesars Palace. And I, I'm a big craps guy. I love to play craps. I am maybe the only NBA writer I know that likes to play craps. The NBA writer game of choice seems to be roulette. Jack. Huh, I am surprised to hear that. I would have guessed blackjack. Craps is a little expensive too. Which I wouldn't guess black. I think like the like the advanced analytics people probably love blackjack, right? Like the Kevin yeah, Peltons sure. and the Nate Duncans probably love blackjack. Yeah. But I also and they're assholes. They scream at everybody right. else at the table. They always sit at third base. Also, neither uh, of those guys are going to the casino. I'm just saying. But um, <laughs> I'm not calling anybody. Yeah, I'm just saying this. It's not their personality type. Uh, my personality type is I can't wait to get out of this stupid game that doesn't matter that I ha- I'm only doing for work, I can't wait to get to the casino. That's my personality type. Uh, I don't think that shocks you or anybody listening to this. No, I associate with it immediately. <laughs> yes, I like to get my work done as soon as possible so I can go play. Um, so, yeah, I get to Caesars Palace. There's, I'm, I'm with a few other people, and I, we, we grab some cocktails, and I say, you know what? I'm going to go check out the Craps Table Pit, right, which is in the center of the casino at Caesars Palace. They have half dozen, maybe eight, uh, uh, six or eight craps tables, um, all right in the middle. I'm going to go try to get a spot at one of those tables. Who's coming with me? And the resounding answer was from nobody, nobody. Uh, <laughs> nobody answered me. Nobody wanted to go. They said, we're just going to get more drinks. And I was like, well, if you play craps and lose a whole lot of money at the table, you'll get free drinks. So just come do that with me. 
And they said, no, we'd rather just spend our own money on the drinks that we want uh, at a bar. And I said, okay, I'm going by myself because I'm not, I think this is my last night in Vegas. I mean, I hadn't played craps. Well, you have time. to, you have to now. Once you've announced I'm going, then no one's right. going with you. you <laughs> like there's no, you can't stay that's at the right. bar. You have to go and then you have to pretend like you had the time of I'm your life. I'm pretty sure that's what got Napoleon killed. But yes, I, that's, <laughs> that's essentially what I did. Uh, and so... I found the one spot, and it was actually good that I was alone because there was no spots except for this one spot at this one craps table next to this very, very large human man. Uh, so you couldn't even really see it because he was so large. But I, 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 I weaseled my way into that spot, and I said, you know what? This is my spot. I'm alone. And I probably get there at like 11, 11.30 at night. Uh, I, I am not a high roller. I just like to enjoy... The camaraderie that comes with the craps table, the atmosphere. If people have not played craps, it's you. It's it's everybody at the table against the dealer. Everybody is paying attention to one pair of die, and everybody. When when most people win, when one person wins, most people win, right? Like everybody's sort of winning and sharing in the in the riches all at the same time. That makes for a very fun time. Um, the rules are very simple, even though it looks very intimidating. But once you know the rules, it's very very easy to play. Um, and so I I find my spot. I'm sitting there. I, like I said, I'm not a high roller. I put $200 on the table. That to me was a lot of money just to start with. I had $400 in my pocket. I, I took 50% of that. I put it on the table. I said, let's see where this goes. Um, and so uh, I got my $200 chips. I played the six and the eight and I backed up my bet. And that's for people who don't know craps. That's like the very, like that's, you have the base level bet and then you have the next to base level bet which is a safe bet. And that's what I did that next to base level, very safe, safe, safe bet. The six and the eights are the ones that have the odds. highest odds to roll. Yeah. Six and eight have the best. Yeah, odds. That's exactly. exactly. So, um, it hits, I'm feeling good. The large guy next to me seems to know everybody on my side of the table. So they're joking, they're laughing. And this is, he's the opposite of me where I take $200 and I put it down. He took like $2,000 and put it down and just had all these chips. And then every few hands, even when he didn't need more, every not hands, but every few rolls, even when he didn't need more chips, he would just take a rack, he would just take a stack and throw it on the table and just get more chips. I think he just liked seeing more, like just accumulating more chips that way. He was losing, you know, dollar bills, but he was accumulating more chips. Um, and he just kept doing it. And then he just kept handing out free bets to his friends at that side of the table. Oh. And he was just like, hey, put $20 on the yo for my friend over here. Put $20 on, uh, you know, uh, snake eyes for my friend over here. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow, these guys are having a really good time. I'm at the right table. This seems to be a fun atmosphere. And then he looks at me and he goes, hey, put, put, put $25 on something in the middle uh, for my friend over here. And he points at me. And I just go, oh, okay, man, that's very generous of you. Thank you very much. And it hits. And I make $200 oh. right away. And I go, okay. I take that $200 and I put it in my pocket and now I'm coming out even. I can lose all my money on the table now and I still have the money. So I said, thank you very much. That was very nice of you. And uh, at that point, I go from my six and my eights and I start to get a little crazy. I start to bet all your money. I start, I'm like, hey, I'm playing with house money now. And I start betting on all these other things, all that stuff. I spent five hours there and I come away with $1,600. Which was gave it back. the most? You give him back his two hundred bucks? No, I actually tried, and he said, "Do not, just keep it. We're having okay. fun." Um, and so uh, he turns out he didn't know anybody when he got there. He did the same thing with that entire group of people that he did to me, and he just made friends that way. He came alone, like I came alone. 
and just made friends with everybody. The difference was that he started paying for people's bets and I just wasn't doing that. I just took it and pocketed all the money. Um, and so this sounds like a very successful night. And it was for me. It was the most money by far I've ever won in a casino. And I was very, very hyped. Couldn't wait to call my dad after who's taught me everything I know about gambling and degenerate activity in general. And I call my dad and I go, hey, this is what happened. I tell him the story I just told you, Bram. And I go, and he goes, how much did you win? I go, or how, much, how long were you there? I go, five hours. He's like, how much did you win? I go, $1,600. And he goes, that's it? What a way to take the wind out of my sails. I just won almost two grand, and you're telling me that's it after five? And then you kind of break it down, and you're like, he goes, he goes you should have easily come away with five times that amount. And I go, Wow. So that's the biggest mistake I ever made in Las Vegas. No, this better not be the end of the fucking story. dude. No way. The second that you transitioned away from that table and started making celebratory calls to the family, I started thinking, and you're right, I'm going to hate this story. I do hate this story. The biggest mistake you ever made in Sin City was winning $1,600. making $1,600. <laughs> so the, the, your, the biggest mistake you've ever had was also your biggest win. That's your story, Wes? That's right. You piece of shit. That is, I call complete BS. There must be, ladies and gentlemen, he must have so many terribly embarrassing stories <laughs> that he could not, like, I can't even begin to talk about these other things, so I got to give him the win story. And it's not even his mistake. The mistake we're talking about is like, your dad's phrasing on this thing. Quick follow-up. $5 table? How much was that? Table? So that's a good question. It was a, uh, I think it was a 20 or 20. I'm actually, I don't oh, know that. Oh my goodness. I don't know that Vegas okay. does 20. It might've been even 25, which is way out of my price range. Like that's why I it's, like. It's bananas. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing that. West you can't find anything less it, than that at that time at Caesars Palace though. The, the, the problem with craps uh, for those who haven't played it is that money moves fast, yes. right? You look at a blackjack table, you're putting one bet until the cards ultimately get flipped over unless you're doubling down those kind of things, splitting. Um, for craps, that's not true. You know, you end up putting a ton of bets on a single roller. And so if it's a $25 minimum, what Wes signed up for there, there's, that's a lot of risk. So we just found out, even though Wes didn't want to tell us anything with that story, he told us a lot. He's a, he's a big gambler, but I still call bullshit. Um, all right, I'll give you some mistakes. And they sure as hell aren't surrounded by wins, Wes. I, I went through a period of time where I was hitting Vegas way too hard in college. Um, I have spent the night at McCarran Airport more than once on purpose. Like it wasn't always the result of a loss. And so the actual question, if I'm remembering it right, is what's the biggest mistake you made in Vegas that you can talk about on a podcast? Yes. So this is, you know, this is kind of hedged. Um, but a friend of mine taught me this roulette bet that from what I can tell is just the work of the devil. Like I, I, I hate that goddamn uh, game. I've lost <laughs> more money on this bet than I can possibly tell you. But without going through the details of it, it makes you think that you have a 60% chance at winning. And you have to buy those odds. So if I am putting down $200, I can only win 100, but you feel like 60%, you know, I'm going to win. I'm always going to win. So I get sucked into this bet almost every time I go to Vegas. And every time I make the bet, I lose everything really quickly. And then I hate all, you know, all the people around me. And so on this one instance, my uh, wife and I had just recently made an offer on a house. I go on a bachelor party and I have no money to spend at this bachelor party because we're trying to be able to afford a house that we cannot afford. But I don't want to tell my friends that, dude. Like, you know, I, I want to 
seem like, of course, I can do anything you guys want. And so the first like two, three hours, I play this roulette game and now I've lost everything I have for the next four or five days. I've, I mean, I'm just, I'm screwed, but I can't tell that to anybody. So we go to the first night's dinner and internally I've decided, I, I gotta get some cash. Like I gotta make it through these next few days. So I announced to the table, look, gentlemen, I will put this meal on me, put it on the credit card. You guys give me cash. And then internally the entire time, like, okay, you know, this is going to be your cabinet. You'll, you'll slowly eke it out. You'll pay for the hotel. We're like, this is everything. It goes fine. They give me the money. I put down the credit card. Wes, we come outside. I immediately run to a fucking roulette table, put that money down and lost it, <laughs> lost it all too. And then like, I spent the next three days legitimately, like someone would come to me, Bram, are you having to go? It's like, fuck you, no, I'm screaming for no reason. I lost friends to like, I definitely didn't call my dad and tell him about a huge win and then have like, that was the biggest right. mistake. And this is tip of the iceberg. And now that you've heard like, you know, maybe not my biggest, one of my giant mistakes in Vegas, no West that if I told that story first, and then turned it over to you and you told me your, oh, I was a baller at the $20 table. Our friendship would be over. This whole, it, 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 this would have been it. I love recording with you, but that's it. I would have slammed the door. Yeah. So it's good we did the order we did. Well, your first mistake was not mooching $200 off of like a random stranger next to you who just gave you free money. That was your first mistake. I would have done that in a heartbeat. It, it would have made me feel really guilty though. Like, I don't know how much pandering I would have done to that dude afterwards. You know, like, what a great badge. You're like, <laughs> you're the man. I mean, just like all these totally Your cologne really does smell good. Exactly. And you made, right, like, you used the perfect amount, not too much. <laughs> sweaty compliments for no reason. You know, like I'm, I'm like buying him a drink again for no reason because he has a bunch of free stuff. That entire thing, it would make me feel really nervous. It's worth saying. Final question. Who's the warrior you would most like to hang out with in Vegas? I love this. I love this question. And I think the answer changes depending on what you want out of the trip. Well, it's your Vegas so trip. We were, yeah. Okay, exactly right. We, so we rewind this. We, we go back to the time when I was prone to you know, losing everything I had and spending the night on the floor. Right. So I just want to go like balls to the wall and like really enjoy Vegas in a way that I cannot in like clubs and that kind of stuff. My answer is Jordan Poole. Here's why. I think Jordan is in this really interesting portion of his career where he has money. He at least feels, and I agree with him, that he's on the precipice of being, if not nationally recognized, recognized. His game's about to take a giant step, but it's not there yet. Right. So I bet you he thinks that when he's walking around Vegas, he should be recognized, but I'm sure he, he is not getting that recognition. So he's probably splashing money around to, to fake that recognition. I'd like to be a part of that. You know, like I can see, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, I am down if what he wants right. to do is get he like wants, eight bottles of the club. Yeah. He wants people, he wants to be spending so much money that somebody asks him if he's a basketball player. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Who is that? Who is that over right. there? You know, and like, and Vegas will do that for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So if, if I'm rewinding the clock, it's Mr. Pool, you know, and I'm, and I'm all the way in and whatever he needed me to do to be a part of his entourage. Fine. You know, if I'm the guy who rolls the blunts or I wear a Jordan pool shirt, like, I don't care. Like I, I would a thousand percent do that where I am now. Different answer. You know, I'm, I'm, I got a kid Wes. I'm a little older. Right. 
So now the answer is probably Steph. Yeah. You know, if, if Steph goes to Vegas now, I doubt he's going balls to the wall. I bet you he's doing that like real nice show, great dinner, maybe a little late night gambling in like a private dope ass VIP room. Yeah. Like, so like, that's the trip I would probably want now, you know? Um, so Steph now rewinded five years ago, probably pool. Um, I love those answers. Um, I, I think I'm actually more, I'm like with you. I think I'm more in the Steph range where, you know, you're getting like the VIP of VIP treatment. And that is a level of Vegas you and I have never experienced because we're not never. those people and we don't get, we don't get paid $50 million a year. Um, despite all the built bar ads and they're very generous, but, um, <laughs> I, I, my problem with Steph is I, one of those nights I want to have like an old school Vegas night and that's yeah, just not going to happen with stuff. No. Yeah. He would judge you too. You'd be out of the entourage. Right. I would have to make it the last night that I was there and I'm never going back to Vegas with stuff again. He'd be like, you embarrassed me. You know exactly what you did. <laughs> I said those three nights, those it, first two nights were worth it stuff. It'd be Aisha. You wouldn't even hear that from Steph. You know? Yeah, yeah, no. It's like a, a handwritten, scented right. note from Aisha right. that explained like, ooh, you know, that last night didn't really work out. For and us. then Aisha would inform Steph that Wes is no longer in the group, and Steph would be like, I don't know why, but that's fine. You call the shots here. Um, Clay Thompson would be interesting because he has all the money, and I think he'd be down, but I don't think I would get a nut. Like, I don't think that he would, he would take what was, what was ever, what anything that was offered to him, he would take. But I think Steph would actually go out and like set things up for us to do. Like where Clay would be like, hey, we're sort of rolling around and somebody gives us bottle service. And he'd be like, all right, cool. Sounds good. I don't know that Clay would know how to like would even be motivated to take like the take the full extent of what was possible and make it happen. Right. 100% right. And he might leave you. Right. You know, like I, I had like a friend in college, this guy, JT, hella fun but you couldn't really enjoy going out. You had to keep an eye on him because he could disappear at any moment. And so like, you'd always be worried. Like you can't lose Jade to be the same thing with Clay. Yeah. Like even though he's supposed to hang out with you, he might bounce out of the back door, not maliciously, just lose focus on yeah. you. And like, that would be nerve wracking. Um, I thought about Kevon Looney. I think he would just be like really fun to hang out with in Vegas. Like Kevon Looney is just like a fun guy. He just seems like happy about everything. I'm like, you know what? It would be fun to like walk around Vegas with you. But um, taking that one step further, I think my answer is Juan Descano Anderson. And I'm sacrificing oh, a little nice. bit of money here, right? He's making $1.7 million next year. Um, and so, like, yeah, that's a lot more money than I have to play with in Las Vegas. But uh, not Steph Curry-level money. But again, like, I, first of all, I just really enjoy being around Juan. I think he's, he's probably, like, my favorite guy to just talk to on the team, like, on a one-on-one basis. And I think he would just be down to have a good-ass time in Vegas. He would be like, you know what? Let's play a little craps. You know what? Let's try the roulette thing. We know how this is going to go. We're not going to be happy after, but we're going to do it anyway. And you know what? I've never seen Cirque du Soleil. That sounds dope. Let's go do that tonight, and then we can gamble a little bit after. Like, I want a great steak dinner? Let's do it. You want to go get Italian? Awesome. Let's do that. You want to go to that weird, like, food court thing in the top of the Cosmopolitan? Let's just do that. See where that takes us. Like, I, I, I'm down with Juan. I think he would just be fun to hang out with, and that's... I love all your psychoanalysis about Jordan Poole. You're absolutely right. But Juan is just like fun to be around. And I would just. Well, the same psychoanalysis would be fun with, with Juan T. Yeah. Because somebody who is exploring, who's finally getting to explore their dream as an NBA guy. Exactly. They just got a contract and this is their first trip to Vegas where they're going to treat themselves. You know, like, yeah, you, the, the highs that you hit might not be franchise money high, 
but it's sure as hell going to be higher than anything you and I have ever seen. And, you know, there's going to be a genuineness to that because it's going to be new to, to Juan T as well. Yeah. You know, so there's an upside on that. Um, this reminds me is a story from way back. And I, is it Pokerov? Who is the Nets owner yeah, yeah. Uh, with like the shady, like Russian oligarchy background? But I remember Jay-Z and Pokerov part owning the Nets. Right. And I remember an interview with Jay-Z and he said, I met Pokerov in Vegas. And he said, I met at the Bellagio, I think was the hotel he talked about. And, and Jay-Z, very wealthy man, more money than I will ever see ever, right? And describes that, says, look, I've got some means and I've been going to the Bellagio forever and I've got my relationship there. When I met Pokerov, who has, you know, generational wealth, he showed me an elevator that I had never seen before. We went to a portion of that hotel that I didn't know existed. And the final line to that is, there's always another door. And that's all, that's just always stuck with me. You know, like I, I don't think I'm ever going to see any of these other doors. Right. But if somebody like Jay-Z can acknowledge that, you know, like a billionaire is like, oh no, no, even me, there's shit out there that I've never seen. I, I just love that concept. And if they are everywhere on earth, there's probably not more other doors than there are in Vegas. You know, like that, that's gotta be the capital of other doors. That's right. And I think hanging out with Steph could get you into a couple of those doors, but Yes. What do you think Joe Lacob's Vegas experience is like? Because he was there and I never saw him. He was behind fake doors the entire time. He's a poker off guy. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, um, I don't. So it's, it's really interesting that neither of us fought to say Lacob. Um, and, and even with him as an option, I, I don't think I want to. It feels like stuffy. You know, like <laughs> I don't I think he would want to show off his wealth, which should be an upside. You know, I bet you he would take you to like an all diamond uh, living room or something, you know, like, like some really weirdo stuff so that you could really bask in that other doorness. But I don't know if I'd want to spend it with him. It, it would feel weird. I don't, I, he's not on my list. Um, it reminds me of that 30 Rock episode where Jerry tells Jack Donaghy, Jerry Seinfeld tells Jack Donaghy like the fake island. And even like Jack Donaghy, who's like the pillar of success, doesn't have like Jerry Seinfeld money. And, and at the very end, like he negotiates and he says like Svedborgia or something like that. And he's just like, yes. Like once you know the name, once you know the password into these doors, once you know, like the whole, the rest of life opens up for you. And like, I don't think we'll ever, no matter how much money Bilt Bar gives me, like there's no way I'll ever know the same islands that Joe Lacob knows. Like there's no way. <laughs> I'm actually recording this from Lacob Island. I didn't want to tell you, uh, but you know, it's what it is. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully you're having Domo right now. <laughs> That'll do it for five golden questions. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Wes Goldberg. You can tune in as always and subscribe to Locked on Warriors. Of course, you can check out Bram and everything that he does so well over at Warriors Huddle Podcast. Bram, this has always been fun. We're popular over there. It was my pleasure, Wes. I'll talk to you soon. 